Hello, welcome back to the Limehouse podcast. My God, it hasn't been long, has it? <laughs> My God, we have the rate these these are coming out at the moment. It feels like I just did this yesterday, which is quite something. How how are you? I'm good. I um, had a pretty good weekend. A very random one. Had a migraine on the Friday and then lost into the Saturday wiped me out, completely took me out. I was just doing too much and just was nauseous and in incredible head pain. Anyway, yeah, and then on Sunday, did some wild camping, just walked off, went off, drove off to the South Downs and, and just um, on my own with Rosie and we just walked for two days. Had met some really great characters, some really awesome people. And uh, actually, the reason I'm bringing you this conversation this week, as opposed to delaying it a couple of weeks and keeping it on the back burner, is because we touched on quite a few, quite a few moments that I experienced actually this weekend uh, that Livia has also experienced in terms of travelling and why why we travel and why we do what we do. Uh, and uh, okay, Livia's been, <laughs> Livia's been to the back of beyond in the Conga Congo even Conga God looking at my um, recording device there can't don't get distracted look what happens and um, yeah she, she she's Jesus wept she's been there she has been places oh my gosh she has really really traveled and she's gone in depth so Livia is a presenter but she's kind of more of a present I didn't know that she had a production a, a producing uh, background as well so she's really been in in deep for many years and it's a really interesting story how she came to presenting in the first place and how she kind of realized her own a, a dream came to not a dream came to her but it was like a realization came to her um, and it's really, it's a really cool story. You'll really, really enjoy it. This is probably one of the best chats I've, I've had. And I keep saying that. I keep saying it, don't I? Every week it gets better. <laughs> I'm sure one week it's going to be shit. I just don't know when it's going to happen. But this is really good. Like, I felt so comfortable. It was, it's a really great chat. This is why I got into it. It's so fantastic. And, um, yeah. So, just a tiny bit of background. And if you've got a chance to pause the podcast and just do a bit of Google uh, on on um, on Livia, that 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 would probably help a little bit. But just to say, she basically embedded herself in a family in the Cong- in the Congo, in a pygmy tribe, for this uh, program called Extreme Tribe: The Last Pygmies, and it's fucking awesome. It's I don't know what I expected it to be like, maybe really politically edged, I don't know, or something. But it just ended up about being a really, really gentle, but very intense story about human beings. And it's wonderful. And it's very, it's, it's a really true, honest story. And she really gives a lot of herself to it. And it's wonderful watching. And I think you really, really get something out of it. You can watch that 
Uh, I watched it on the Channel 4 sort of um, player, as it were. I don't know what it's called. The Channel 4 thing. The Channel 4 app. But it's there. It's there to be watched. So get your eyes and ears around it. It's fantastic. Um, Yeah. And I just thought a lot of what we we did, quite a bit of, you know, we talked a little, quite philosophically about life. And so I sort of brought it into how I'm feeling about this this particular moment I'm in at the moment, having just come back from walking on the South Downs and meeting some lovely, lovely people, particularly one girl called Sasha, who we ended up walking an entire day together on on the South Downs. And it, yeah, it was really cool because I, I I explain it a bit in the podcast, so I won't bang on about it now, but it all ties together, and I think you'll really enjoy this show. It's going to be a great one. Uh, anyway, just just do just a bit of housekeeping, just a bit of housekeeping to keep you on your toes have you checked out my short film yet i don't know why you haven't i really don't know why it's only 20 minutes and it's wonderful i think it's wonderful i don't give a shit whether i'm sounding like i'm tooting my own horn but i am you got to in this day and age you got to and i'm not going to be apologetic i think the americans would say to you will why aren't you being more forthright why are you not projecting your talents more well i try but i always do it in a sort of oh well check out my podcast don't forget to check out my website and my short film you you gotta do it so listen i don't don't worry about rating the podcast on itunes you know it doesn't really fucking bother me anyway because it's it's not going to make any difference so that doesn't matter don't worry don't fret maybe tell your friend a friend about it in the pub fine but if whatever just Maybe just go to somedaysadiamonds.co.uk and check out the short film, The Name. You'll enjoy it. Comedy, it's a bit dark, it's, it's, it's enriching, it's got the comedic elements in it, it's beautiful. I think, personally, it's very beautifully shot by Colin Midgley. And yes, my first short film, so check it out. somedaysadiamonds.co.uk, you'll enjoy it. And obviously we've got coming up, we've got the... Uh, <laughs> We've got the book club, yeah, yeah, we got the book club, and um, novel idea, that's what it's called. I'm going to stop introducing the name of the of the book club now, because I'm just going to start calling it novel idea now, okay? I'm just, that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to be proud about it. I'm going to say, it's a shit name, it's a terrible corny name, but that's what it is, and you're going to have to live with it, okay? You're going to have to live with it like a, an annoying little patch of eczema, okay? Patch of eczema corner, also known as novel idea so remember if you can get a, get a copy of stoner download it on your phone whatever physical copy even better and uh read it give it a read because the podcast we've got coming up with steve almond is going to be fantastic deconstructing that book stoner by john williams one of the greatest books of the 20th century you will really really enjoy it it will test you and you'll get so much from it i promise so anyway i think that's about it i mean it's hard it's hard to know what else to say really i've I've put a bit of a a word out last week and asking if you would be so kind to share with me some of your holiday memories some of them the the moments from your holidays that have really been meant something to you in in the past whether you were a teeny teeny child or a fully fledged adult with with fully grown wings uh whatever you know whatever it means to you whether it's funny sad daft just a moment and if you can just record it onto your phone and send it to me like a minute long two minutes long the limehouse podcast at gmail.com 
then please do feel free and we can I'll put put yours up and we can all have a little get together and a little mini summer holiday forum to g ourselves up and get our spirits up for the for the summer coming and you know the summer holidays that have been cancelled some haven't so we'll see but anyway look after yourself stay positive stay open to new possibilities because there are so many and you're a great person and your heart is is waiting for new experiences and it's going to enrich you and it's going to be wonderful you're going to enjoy this chat Livia is fucking wonderful rock on people But yeah, yeah, but how 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 are you doing anyway? Yeah, fine actually. Yeah, I've got quite a solid, um, you know, lockdown routine and um, just sort of settled into it really. Yeah, yeah. Just so in in what way? Because I mean, you you're like literally, you're definitely the most outgoing person I've ever spoken to, um, like for this podcast. So it's for you. I'm imagining it must be a bit weird to almost like have this environment closing in around you a bit yeah you know what I have just um I think it's all about routine isn't it I have just got into quite a strong routine of like you know getting up in the morning doing yoga a bit of meditating breakfast going out for a run life admin I only stopped working a few weeks ago as well so that was kind of helping um mm. and because the weather's been so nice I've just like and you know it's a bit more relaxed now I've been getting out to catch up with friends and go for distance walks and all of that and just trying to sort of get out as much as you can (laughs) yeah yeah well you you, you're loving richmond park so i was there i've been i've been going there for years and years it was like like i I said again (laughs) i just realized how much chat we've had in in, in whatsapp before so like because i'm repeating myself to you but i basically when i first moved to london i missed the countryside like crazy and i didn't know that a how massive Richmond Park was mm. so I used I used to go there endlessly constantly have so you been to was, the Hamgate Avenue entrance I've, I think I've done every single <laughs> this just sounds really? rather kinky I think I've done every entrance going darling because <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah the Hamgate Avenue one is I only just discovered that like about a week ago and it's amazing it's really really forested and woodlandy and um, yeah. I was there on Monday, actually, and there was no people at all. Okay, no, I haven't. Amazing. It sounds because when you said Hamgate, I thought it was like the the ham, like the main ham entrance, but no, no, it's, no, it's like a side entrance, and you can park all along the street. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was just like it's the best bit of Richmond Park I've ever been to, and I'd never sort of you know explored that area before. So, so yeah, what no, do, you, do you do? You cycle there, and and or, or no, like, I drove. Yeah, 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 I drove there and um, just went for a picnic and, you know, took loads of blankets and cushions and speaker and food and found an amazing tree and just spent the whole day there. Sweet. Well, what did you... We're recording, by the way, so don't worry. This is like a preamble bit of fun. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, what, what did you get up to? Like, I mean, the whole day, just like chill, super chill. Was there any wine involved? Yeah. No, you can't because you were driving. So I was driving. Some of my friends were uh, on the wine, yeah. And I yeah. was driving and we just sort of chilled out under a tree and, you know, caught up and listened to music. And I think we must have seen about 10 people. Like, super quiet. 
really, really, really quiet. Mm. God, that's funny. God, that's crazy. Because where I'm the link for it, like the you know the pin drop where the entrance is. Yeah, do but, it. Um, do it. Yeah, really, James really Bond. Going. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, because the, the yesterday when I um and well, what well, I did, I did Monday for about five hours, just a five hour walk, and um I. I stripped back as much weight as I possibly could out of my rucksack, but it was still quite heavy. Mm. And by the end of the five hours, I was like, yeah, I'm done because like the, some of the hills on the South Downs are so severe. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it doesn't sound much, but it, but it actually, when you're doing it, you're like, God, oh, Jesus, I always forget how, how tough this can be. Mm-hmm. But, I'm desperate but, to get out to, I've got some friends in um, Snowdonia National Park and I'm desperate to sort of get out there, but they've uh, they've been pretty strict with allowing yeah. <laughs> outsiders in. So not quite sure they're open for business yet. I know, I've, I've, I still have yet to go to, to Wales. And I, I know, well, I've been to Wales plenty, but I've never done Snowdonia, that whole range. And I, w- I would absolutely love it. Have you Have you done a lot of, of like the sort of the UK um, national uh, parks and what have you? Yeah, sort of, um, you know, Snowdon, the Brecon Beacons and sort of various forests and stuff. But I'd I'd love to do more. Actually, one of the things my friends and I are talking about getting a camper van this summer and, uh, and just, you know, driving around the UK and visiting all those lovely little places that you, you know, that you read about and that you see and never get to go to like the silly isles i'd love to go to the silly isles yeah yeah no i couldn't agree anymore like i'd we'll drive I'd, it to scotland I, oh my god scotland's epic i've i mean mm. i i'm not ju- i'm not just saying it but <laughs> it's not really much of a boast but i i don't know any of my friends who have done scotland like i've done it so much and no one really ever talks about it and i don't i don't know why i think like maybe my sort of gap year generation and then uh, maybe sort of 20s uh, mid 20s was the the tendency was to go far far away like you know far mm. australia new zealand i never did any of that for my gap year i was i think i was working or something and um but later in life i've i came to to scotland and wow the isle of sky mole all that i've not done i've not really done any of scotland so yeah i'd love to love to do that and you know sort of devon cornwall dorset it would be lovely to go there and just spend a few weeks driving around in the camper van yeah so what 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 got you into like um the outdoors i suppose because i know that's quite a a broad a broad question and i and sometimes it can be quite uh incremental steps into something like that but what sort of got you going on that I mean, I guess I've always been fairly outdoorsy growing up. You know, I'm from, I was born in Switzerland and um, lived, I moved to the UK when I was 12. And growing up in Switzerland, I was in a small village just outside Zurich. And it was a really sort of outdoorsy way of life. And, you know, I used to go skiing in the winter and hiking in the summer. And um, and then, I guess, you know, the Duke of Edinburgh and, and my granddad actually um, spent a lot of the 60s in Somalia. And um, he was always quite adventurous and a bit of an explorer. 
and uh, used to be barefoot the whole he spent his whole life barefoot pretty much and used wow. to just hang out with all the locals and used to go spear fishing and hunting with the locals and his nickname back then um was the butcher because he was kind of you know not afraid to sort of get stuck in and would prefer to go out hunting with the locals as opposed to sitting in the clubhouse with the fellow westerners and yeah. um and so I've always sort of had that, you know, passion for exploration and the outside world. And and even he died when he was 90, which was a couple of years ago. And even then in the winter, he used to run around barefoot here in, yeah. uh, in the UK. Um, but yeah, I think I've got it from him. And then whenever I, you know, got back from foreign trips, he'd get his map out and want to know exactly where it was and what the people were like. And, um, so I guess growing up in that sort of quite open-minded environment means that I've always been quite passionate about outdoors and, you know, exploring in different terrains. Yeah, no, it it is quite interesting how some there's like a hand-me-down isn't there like it's Mm. not you you could almost say it's like I don't know genetics not necessarily but like it's there's something that we're all handing down to our grandkids and our children stuff that we don't necessarily we see we want them to see and we impart it on them but but it's it's very very careful to like how to impart that onto kids without making it one boring or two scary uh, and so you, you either fight like... against it or uh, or want to embrace it further, I guess. Yeah. And so I think was, when uh... I was a teenager, I probably did go through that phase of you know if my sort of parents dragged me out hiking, I'd probably rather have gone to Alton Towers. But um, <laughs> but I think then the sort of older that I got and could make my own choices about where I'd go on holiday or what I wanted to see, I was definitely yeah. always drawn to more sort of extreme environments yeah so like what was your can you because for my first experience of wilderness-ish like with you know I'm, I'm careful to use the word wilderness because bearing in mind what you've done but I I went to Scarfell Pike and with my dad we were going to do a couple of um the, the climbs around there in the Lake District and I was about 12 12 years old we were halfway up, not even halfway up Scarfell Pike, and my dad slipped and broke his fucking wrist. Oh no! And, uh, <laughs> I was like, but I didn't didn't freak out, didn't panic, just turned around, walk, walked back down, and luckily there was an air rescue guy buying a fleece in the shop, and then we were literally adopted by this this these guys. They took us to a hospital, then they 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 let us stay at their house properly unbelievably beautiful but that was like kind of my introduction to to walking and being away from home what was your first like recollection and was it as shit as that (laughs) no do you know what i'm trying to think it's just because you know growing up in switzerland a lot of it's all a blur a lot of weekends were spent in the mountains and, you know, rambling around and, and it was fairly countrysidey where, where I grew up. Um, yeah. So I've always had that outdoors, you know, environment on my doorstep. Um, well, yeah, I get that. Cause I suppose I mean, with, when it's, when it's, when it's all around you, it's so encompassing. Yeah. It's not necessarily like you're taking it for granted. It's just, it's just there so much. It's not, as, it's not as much as a deal. You don't right? know any different, do you? 
yeah and then this moving is, from that yeah. to to uh well it was liverpool and then warrington was quite a culture <laughs> shock <laughs> oh my god like i do i just want to stick with switzerland for a bit long because i think childhood yeah. is is so great because it's so informative of and i, and I don't know whether you, I, know, I don't know whether people are, are it's it's it is surroundings and it's privilege and all that kind of thing and and um you know your upbringing but do you think you would have eventually just always just been into the mother nature to the outdoors i don't know it's hard to say isn't it i don't know whether had i stayed in switzerland i would have wanted to rebel against that and you know get out and move to a big city straight away because actually you know when i was when i moved to the uk and it was very much a sort of from the age of 12 quite a suburban upbringing i did want to escape to london and move to the city as quickly as i could yeah um so i think for me it's definitely suburbia is not where i want to be it's like either get me out in nature as as far away as you can get or or sort of in the thick of the city but that sort of halfway house of suburban cul-de-sacs is um yeah it's my idea of a nightmare that so yeah yeah like nothingness i know exactly yeah do you know what i know i know what you mean there like i'm I, I just I get very restless. Do you do you, do you suffer from that? Definitely. Do you, I, f- I have actually sort of you know since lockdown quite enjoyed not going anywhere and you know sort of being at home and and I, when I was in the Congo for such a long time, I did really sort of think when I got when I get home, I really want some sort of routine again and just to have a you know a sort of steady place rather than sort of moving around all the time or traveling yeah. a lot. Um, and I did spend, you know, quite a lot of years traveling loads for work. Mm. Um, and so I have really enjoyed being at home again, but I do definitely get get quite itchy feet and yeah. already sort of thinking, right, what's, as soon as you can travel, where, where would you want to go? What do you want to do? And um, yeah, definitely, definitely get itchy yeah. feet. Yeah, God, I bet, I bet it's the, it's the bug, isn't it? I, I, yeah. so, so when, so you're you're coming Ross over from Rina, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, it really is. I, I, I can, I'm absolutely because, I, you know, I just went on this South Downs walk, and I was very much wanting to go for like quite some time. And I was saying to my wife, you know, if I get like a, a couple of a weekend, if there's a weekend could I go on my own? I'd love that. I'd love it. I just love to get out on my own. And then sure enough, when I get on my own, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking anxious. I've, and, and I'm a little bit like, Oh God, what, what am I doing out here? What am I doing? And then when I get home, I'm like, I miss, I miss the South Downs. So it's a very strange thing with that. But I think that's more about like, you know, boarding school and separation anxiety. I think that I, I suffer from, but and I, I've always wanted that ability to just go, go, go. And I can imagine with you like that, just wanting to go and and see and explore must be so profound you know but yeah um, you know what I've never actually done anything on my own I'm like yeah I'm not brilliant at doing stuff completely on my own I'm such a sociable creature Hmm. um and I think that's you know one one of the, the the thing that I did find really hard when I was living with the tribe was that you're surrounded by 
people 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They have no concept, the Benjeli have no concept of privacy whatsoever. And they never, they don't ever spend any time on their own. And, mm. um, and so that's the crew that was sort of like probably their favorite time of the day when they could just go off to their tent and close the door and be in their own sort of four walls. Yeah. And I never had that. And, uh, and it was actually, that was the first time in my life that I thought, God, I'd quite like to do something on my own. Hmm. Um, and hmm. it, I've yet to do it. I'm always, I am surrounded. You know, obviously I spend a day on my own, but sort of go yeah. off on an adventure completely on my own. It's not anything that I've ever done before. Yeah, solitude's a really weird thing, isn't it? Because, I mean, a lot of us have been, it's been hoisted upon us and uh, foisted upon us rather, hoisted. And um, I, I get it. You know, I, I, I see a lot of people struggling with their friends and I've been on my own for like 10 days now. And I'm, I'm okay at home, but it's when you're really, you really on your own. I guess so. Like, but it, but it's it's kind of a, it's, it's a, it's a mature loneliness. It's not like a, a kid, like wanting his mummy or his, daddy it's like uh do you know what i mean it's like uh it's controlled it's just a bit empty because life is so full on and when it changes so dramatically like it has done for so many people it's just such a shock it's like mm -hmm. there is a real world that i'm used to but i just can't figure out whether where's it where's it gone is it under this pillow is it in the cabinet where did it did someone hide it you know but um yeah. but yeah so when you know it, I, I get it. Like you, I, when I was watching your incredible program, your documentary, which was, I totally smashed it, binged it, and like I was just absolutely addicted to <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. I did, oh, it was totally fantastic. Honestly, really emotional. So much depth to it, and I really wasn't. I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting that. I didn't know it would be such a humanistic, like anthropological look at, at the breakdown of of a, a forgotten tribe almost um but I've, I've forgotten my point now which is that's what I do I forget shit but um but but no no I think what yeah what my point was that you kind of are alone I mean I know you'd have a crew around you but you're so far removed from everything you know there must be an element in there that you go I mean I am pretty far from home no yeah you are but but you're you know, I was surrounded by people the whole time. And I don't mean people as in the rest of the crew, because there were days where I barely saw them. And I was just, you know, with my camera on my own with the family. Mm. But I was surrounded by people the whole time and, and my Benjeli family. But what was interesting, actually, it was the first time where I couldn't communicate. So mm. I was alone emotionally and in my head a lot of the time but physically surrounded by people which was actually quite an interesting experience in itself and um in what, in what was, way like how, how did you deal with that because i can imagine that actually you're you know if you ever spend your whole day in your head and it gives you a lot of time to think and um and i guess just it, it made me be a lot more mindful mm -hmm. um but yeah, that was actually quite an interesting contradiction because there were times when I felt quite lonely in myself and in my own head, but yet craved a little bit of sort of physical distance from people because there was just no such thing as privacy out there. So you're constantly surrounded by people, but unable to communicate with them as, as easily as you know you might be able to do here. 
Yeah. So, I mean, if we if we take that from the beginning, because it would be cool to start, like touch back um, here and there with your childhood in Liverpool, because it's so fucking interesting. Honestly, it really is. And like, um, and it was be cool to just get a bit of kind of like a uh, 360 of you, you know, because mm. you really are. You're quite, a, you know, very interesting person. And it's always kind of good to get an essence of that, you know, and what, what drove you. So what, how did it come about? I mean, the, the, the whole extreme tribe that that whole concept was that was that your with channel four come to you did you find channel four did who found who and how did it start um so i've you know i've been a tv producer director for years and oh right um, okay wow so yeah i've worked in tv for you know years i did media and communication at goldsmiths university and specialized in documentary and journalism and then after that managed to get into tv production sort of the long way around and uh very quickly um you know sort of carved out a bit of a niche for myself working in adventure anthropology travel genre which typically is quite male dominated and um oh my god you're kidding of course yeah 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 no especially with presenters you know they are uh predominantly white middle-aged middle-class ex-army men and they're you know they're great and and many of them are you know my friends and i love them and i love what they do um but it is quite samey and for years i had actually been trying to find a sort of female explorer to what i thought well i still think is is quite a sort of gaping hole in that genre for more you know female adventurers and um i had been you know over the years had done a lot of stuff with different indigenous communities across the world and i've got you know got a real passion for meeting uh tribes people or different remote communities and finding out how they work and Mm. um I was out in Siberia a couple of years ago uh, on another project for Channel 4 and it was uh, what we call as a sort of tech recce where we were working out how to actually create this this program, this series that we were going to make for Channel 4 and Discovery. Mm-hmm. And um, we were out there on a recce. Um, we didn't have a presenter with us. It was more of a science specialist factual show. And mm-hmm. uh, my boss at the time said, oh, why don't you just film Liv showing us around? Uh, we were in this permafrost cave under the underground looking at woolly mammoth and woolly rhino remains that we were going to excavate. And um, so we were scrabbling around underground in this permafrost cave and just doing bits of filming with me basically pointing out, you know, what all the different frozen animals were that were, you know, frozen in time in the permafrost. And um, then the it was a woman called Jay Hunt, who used to be the controller of Channel 4 at the time, saw it um, to work out whether or not they were going to give the green light to this film that we were going to make. And she was like, oh, Liv's really good on camera. Should we, should we see if she's interested in presenting something? And um, and it's not anything that I'd ever really thought about before, but when they said that, the thing that instantly came to mind was, well, if I could do anything, I really want to go and live with a tribe. I, a sort of hero of mine is, is Bruce Parry, who made a tribe series for the BBC um, yeah. you know, 12, 13 years ago. And, uh, and I love Bruce and always thought he was amazing. Uh, and yet I've always felt like 
I've not seen that from a female point of view. Um, And I'd also like to sort of personally find out more about the people and about their everyday dramas as opposed to just focusing on the hunting, the gathering, the adult and the adult, um, you know, initiation ceremonies, yeah. sort of, you know, what is it that they fight about? What is it they love? What does heartbreak mean to them? What do family feuds, what are they made of, you know, and how different are we? Because ultimately we're all humans and we're all the same species and yet we react so differently to, to, you know, emotions. Um, and so I said, well, I'd love to go and live with a tribe. Um, and Channel 4 thankfully agreed and thought that was a great idea. And um, and then we thought, you know, rather than skip around between different tribes, why not immerse in one tribe and with one particular family and really get under the skin of that family and, yeah, invest, and, their, yeah. and their place within the community and um and i was newly heartbroken at the time so i was like fuck it i'll go for six months get me out of here yeah and that's it and the rest is history dude i know exactly the feeling <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, been it's, there. it's a great yeah. drive there's a great driving force isn't it oh god isn't it and then you come back a different person you go it's the best thing i ever did and you get tattoos and you feel great oh you know? yeah <laughs> yeah it's just <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there you go, man. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers one here. Like, yeah. What's that? Is that your heartbreak tattoo? The Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I got, oh, I got really? it done in. Um, it's the thing I like to show off about on this podcast. Any opportunity to talk about my like one of three tattoos I have to prove that I'm hip and cool. I've yeah. only got this one. It's my yeah. one heartbreak tattoo. Oh, bless. But, you know, went on an ayahuasca retreat, had an eye opening experience and thought, I must mark this moment. (laughs) Wow. So now you just open up a complete other door, but I'm determined to stick to the pygmies because that is just, you know, because I I, just said the word ayahuasca. So it's like, have you done it? Fuck no. Oh, my God. I would, I would see the actual devil. I would see. It wouldn't. It wouldn't just be really Hitler. Well, but then that, maybe Stalin. that's what you need. Oh my God! No, Liv. Ia. Oh, I'm not that familiar with Ia. I'm not going to go nicknames that's just all right. yet. Plus, I'm, I'm happy with Liv. My sister's called Olivia, and we call her Liv, so I'm okay with that. I'm not going to beat myself up too much. But I, I tell you, like the, um, I've got to, I've got to try and stay on track with 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 uh, Extreme Tribe because it is so fucking profound but i i think what your what it does really well and thanks by the way for describing like the origin of the whole um tv show you did such a you know really good job there um i would fuck that up so badly if i had to describe the process of what you what you went through to get that program off the ground but it's just like when you when you first arrived i can't i can't i tried to put myself in your position and it was nothing to do with like, interviewing you. I had actually been before. But... So I had, um, you know, I went there before we started filming. I went and asked the tribe for permission. How did you do that? What did you just rock up one day with like, a, yeah. I don't know. So I, um, I had been speaking to an anthropologist at UCL who is really familiar with the tribe. And this sort of head honcho anthropologist put me in touch with one of his students who'd actually... Um, 
you know, done her thesis with the tribe uh, and agreed to take me out there and introduce me to the community. So I went out with a, with a translator and a sort of, you know, location uh, medic expedition leader type of person who had also been out there before. And um, uh, actually, no, that's a lie. He hadn't been there before. And I sort of, you know, got the whole community together and explained who I am, what I wanted yeah. to do and how much time I wanted to spend there and the reasons why. And, you know, would they allow me to go and live in their village? So and was that uh, with the, the the chief or was that, uh, how did that work? I got the whole, it was, the chief was there as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I got the whole village together hmm. and, and just asked their permission. And they, because so how, how did you, who, which family said, yeah, we'll, we'll take live. It's all right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. And so everybody, you know, they, they all sat around and sort of clapped and were like, yeah, you know, they're, they're really, the Vangeli are so friendly. They're some of the friendliest people I've ever met and they love a good chat. They love a party and, you know, sort of yeah. showing <laughs> up on death nonstop. They out-partied me and I never thought that would happen. Um, but they, you know, they're incredibly friendly and warm and welcoming. And then it was... Uh, I was just sat there one day and it was Akaya and her little baby came over. So Akaya is, is... Akaya is, uh, so Mama, it's yeah. her daughter, her eldest daughter, the one okay, that cool. gets into the fight and uh, the one that was sort of like, in a way, my, my best mate out there. And mm. um, she just came and sat next to me and handed me the baby and, you know, we just started having a bit of a chat and she started braiding my hair and and we couldn't really communicate properly a lot. Of, and Benjelia are really physical, which, I, you know, yeah. really, really lovely and sort of like, you know, stroking my arm and we sat there and yeah. just had a bit of a chat then through the translator and, uh, and then introduced me to Mama. And, um, yeah, that was it. And I was like, you did can I, can I come and live with you? And uh, yeah, they were like, Amazing. absolutely. What's one yeah. more person in the house? Yeah, that's an experience. Yeah, they'll be like, yeah, sod it. It's a bit mad, yeah. isn't it? Just basically rocking up somewhere. Imagine if, <laughs> if a bunch of like Africans from a tribe turned up at your house and said, can I come and live with you for six months? Most people would be like, um, I don't know. I mean, need to have a family meeting about this. I'm not yeah. sure. But they were just like, yeah, come, absolutely. Yeah, Doors oh wide my... open. Oh, man, I say it's so beautiful. And I so love wonderful. that about them. You know, they're, they're, they're just the most sort of warm-hearted, kind, loving people. And they, uh, you know, they wear their emotions and their heart on their sleeve. Um, and I yeah. like that. And, the, and there's sort of real vulnerability there, which, oh my uh, God. Yeah, which but you the don't relation... have there. And the relationship you 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 you, you um, ha- had created, still have with um, with Mama, was was so so profound. I mean, I don't want to at like start at the end, but pff, yeah, there's clearly a, a hell of an emotional ending to it. And I I was yeah. in tears, and uh, I didn't so think I'd cry. You know, it was really like the more, no, you I didn't, didn't see that coming. I didn't I didn't see it coming at all. I was like, 
really good. I was actually really enjoying the last morning there and the crew were all packing their um, sort of camp down and I'd gone and get, given them a bit of a hand. And then I was like, oh, do you know what? I just want to spend the last couple of hours with uh, like Mama, Papa and Akaya and with the family. So I went back to my house and just sort of packed up my last bits and then we were just sat outside and uh, and then John, the director, came over, who's also the cameraman. He's like, well, well we're good to go. Should we, you know, should we get out of here? And I was like, really? What? Like, right, right yeah. now? You sure? Yeah. Like, yeah. Just give it a bit longer. He's like, well, no, we're going to need to get going. I was like, all right. Uh, and then he, he just had the camera and he's like, all right, then go on, then say bye. And then I was just like, it dawned on me that I'm leaving now. And I mm. don't know if I, I'll hopefully, you know, when I go back, whether I'll not recognize this place mm. or if the people are still going to be here because there's no way of keeping in touch with them. You know, there's no phone signal. They don't have mobile. A lot of other tribes, people around the world now have mobile phones and they have, mm -hmm. you know, modes of communication. Um, yeah. But because they are so cut off from the outside world, there is no Wi-Fi or they don't have a sat phone. There's no address. You know, the only way to even get a letter to them would be, I, I mean, you know, really convoluted way, basically. Carrier pigeon. And then they can't read anyway, so. Right, you know, just, it, yeah. The, yeah. I, it's it is it is so because you know what when you was when you were saying goodbye to them I did have um, a, a sort of a bit of um, empathy there because I, um, I when I when I was volunteering at a dog sanctuary in Thailand and I came to say goodbye after being there for five weeks oh my fuck when the plane was taking off I had to I was holding the the arms of the chair sobbing like trying to con yeah. keep, keep control of myself and I like you I just. I felt emotional, but I didn't know what was going on. And I was boarding the plane. I started to get these really weird swell, like emotional swells or whatever you want to call them. But, and then, oh my God, I just broke down on the plane. And, and, yeah, and I was like, this is the last time that I'm walking out of this forest. You know, when I come back, I may well be able to drive here. There might be a road. And it was just such a significant chapter in my life that was coming to an end and I felt like I'd learned so much and had you know gained a whole new family and I know that if shit hit the fan here and I needed to escape somewhere and hide out <laughs> I, I mean I know where I could go you know I, I've got my place <laughs> I'm going to the literally the middle of nowhere in an yeah joke. exactly yeah and like Most, nobody yeah. will be able to you know, find me. It's quite a cool thought. <laughs> it's a pretty cool thought, you know. I mean, like, uh, it's not on Google Maps, so you know, directions. You can't just type in what was the name of the village? Bonginda. Bonginda. Oh, such a lovely name. You know, to put that into Google Maps. Directions unknown. Sixty-eight days to get there. Uh, it was too long. You know, you know it was uh, it's five days travel from the UK door to door, and wow. you had like from London to Paris, Paris to Brazzaville, an internal flight to Wesso, then a couple of hours along a road, cross a river on a ferry, and then from a logging town, it's five hours through the, the forest on a little dirt track road. From there on a little small pow motorized powerboat, five hours upstream, then an hour by dugout canoe through a flooded forest and a three hour walk through the bush 
you know, it's really, really bloody remote. Are you, um, are you trying to tell me? You trying to tell me that there's no Amazon delivery? Is there's that no Amazon delivery. No, there's like, this sounds like no shit, delivery, no Uber. Yeah. Oh, so boring. God, those people. I don't know what they're missing. Oh, but that that is that's that's very cinematic. What you've described there. Very that, what, yeah. What was that journey like? In the program, you see it and you're like, oh, she's there already, and it's like it's taken five bloody days to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was the journey like getting there? Like the just slowly incremental steps of like more and more sort of wilderness. Yeah. And the sort of like nearest village, we sort of created a, a bit of a base camp um, so that if there was a medical evacuation, we would have somewhere to go um, yeah. and, you know, had to have somebody on standby with a, a sort of, well, a local person to make sure that our boat, should we need it, hadn't yeah. disappeared um so there was a sort of base camp and then bef- after that it was an hour through the flooded forest on a dugout canoe and then the three four hour walk depending on uh whether it's rainy season or not yeah so did you um did you diarize at all on your journey there like sort of thoughts about what you were getting into or? yeah 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 i did keep a diary actually yeah, yeah. i haven't so actually good- looked at that since i've been back yeah. Well, how long have you been back definitely for? Definitely down days. You know, it wasn't all just uh, fun and games. There were what? definitely days where I was like, fucking hell, I've definitely bitten off more than I can chew here. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's like a long time to go. But then, I mean, in general, the pros massively outweighed the cons and I would do it again any day. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what a... I, do you know what? I've never been so jealous. Uh, I was in a pub once, uh, again, in the South Downs, and there was a 75, 80-year-old bloke, pissed out of his face, recanting this story from back when he used to smuggle caviar a caviar up the Volga in this, in just after the Second World War. Oh, wow. And it, it was <clears throat> the most insane story, and I've never felt such profound jealousy of someone doing something with their life, something living something so vital and so insane and, and different and interesting. Um, mm. I think I'm over that level of jealousy now, but certainly when I'm speaking to you, there's definitely an element in me that's like, um, and I don't, I don't think it's like, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm, a, I'm comfortable. I'm not jealous in such a, I'm not in a state where my God, you know, I've got to do what Liv's got to do. I've got to do these crazy, you know, not crazy, but I've got to really, really push myself. I don't necessarily have that anymore, but speaking to you is, is, um, it's, it's, it's really it's like I'm so engaged you know because you've really fucking done something you know it's really yeah, awesome I'll do it again like I, and now you know especially now that we've been on lockdown I do think about the family quite a lot and think oh where is that uh, teleporter if I could get to Bonginda right now even if it was just for an afternoon or 24 hours I'd absolutely yeah. love it and it's so healthy for you you know just switching off completely from and it was and that's i think was really healthy for the crew as well and everyone that went through that experience there were three different three different crews that changed Mm. over and uh just switching off completely from the outside world as we know it from your uh, from your emails, your WhatsApps, your social media, your, mm. you know, daily mail online or whatever it is that you yeah. you check during the day um, and to switch off from the news. It's so healthy. 
it takes time, doesn't it, to adjust to that that yeah. uh, disconnect. And actually, my anxiety came more in the form of coming out and turning my phone on again. I, it took me days of being in uh, a location where I knew that if I turn my phone on now, it's just going to be like ding, 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 you know, all those hundreds of messages coming through and knowing that there's that pressure to read them and to respond to people and to, and that you have to now be in contact again. And yeah. I actually found that more difficult than, than switching off. But but that is that is quite an interesting point because you're you're going from a tribe, a lit, the, the probably the last vestige, like the last contained area of of, of the civilization that is is so removed from where we are right now, having a fucking conversation via a computer, mm. um, and and then you're going from that to the extremes, extreme tribe to back to extreme reconnection. You know, it's almost like a culture shock, reverse culture shock. Yeah, because they're like, you know, their life is the, you can describe it as the most basic human way of life. And they are so connected to nature more so than any of us could ever imagine. You yeah, know, their, their supermarket is on, is on their front doorstep. There is no plastic. There is like, you know, whatever they want to eat that day, they just walk out and get it. Yeah. So what did you, what, what did you get? What did you get? I mean, it's, it's hard to boil it down. I know to one point, but like, and, and feel free to uh, ramble, but what did you gain most from your experience with them? Um, I think what well, like my biggest sort of takeaway was that I do really think they live in the moment so much more than we do because oh, yeah. they don't have um, they don't have a concept of time so they don't there are no watches they don't know how to tell the time nobody knows how old they are they don't measure distance you know they don't measure distance or duration so if you would say you know we would go out into the forest for a day and we'd be like well how long are we going to be gone for and they'd be like oh not very long and we're like, okay, well, does that mean a couple of hours? And they they just say yes to agree because they don't. The Benjeli don't ever like to say no either. Um, and we very <laughs> figured out not very long means you can get there and back in a day. But you could be walking five hours to get there and then five hours to get back. But because they don't know how to tell the time or how to say it's five kilometers away or whatever, you know, that's so not very long means you can get there and back in a day quite long means you'd have an overnight and very far away means you'll be gone for a couple of days yeah and uh, and they can just you know navigate the forest as we would as an experienced londoner would navigate the tube um whereas to us it kind of like you know the forest sort of swallows you up the minute you step inside it um yeah. and i thought that was really amazing is that they just don't they don't, they don't worry about the future the way we do. You know, I think so many of us pin our happiness on future events and future goals and like, yeah. oh, if I achieve this, I'm going to be really happy or should this happen, it will make me that bit happier. They don't yeah. really 
think about the future. So yeah. um, they don't store food, for example. You know, we'd be out into the forest. We'd be out in the forest and we'd come across an amazing tree, and or go fishing, and they would ever, ever only take what they need there and then, rather than stockpile. Because there's no point stockpiling because they haven't got a fridge to keep it cold, so it would go off anyway. Obviously, if they came across honey, they'd get as much of it as possible because it gets yeah. shared amongst the whole community. But they would never think, oh, let's get it all so that in you know like like they would during the honey season they would go and get all this honey and whereas you and i might go well i've got shit loads of this amazing honey let's ration it it's not going to go off we've got enough honey to last the, the next month or two they would literally gorge themselves and eat it all there and then and share it with everybody and then it'd be gone that day it would be gone so they never ever think about the future and actually in a few days time or in a week's time i'll be really happy when the honey season's over and be able to sprinkle it on something else and that's really refreshing and they talk about the past but because they've got no sort of concept of time they don't dwell on it as much as Hmm. we do and there's something uh, i don't know if you've read the power of now by eckhart toll my my one of my best mates is bangs on about that yeah it's my, it was, yeah, it's my favorite book and uh and it really teaches you more about being more conscious and in the moment and i think that's what the ben jelly are really bloody skilled at doing yeah, and it's like if yeah. you want a party they'll party and they'll party until they don't want to party anymore but they're not thinking oh i've got to get up tomorrow morning even though they might have to get up and go hunting it's like they really have this ability to live in the moment so if they're having a fight with somebody and an argument they're really going for it if they're having a brilliant time that's what they're doing um and i think that is and, and so they don't obsess about age hmm. yeah or, yeah well we we'll, yeah i mean there's so there's so much like clearly that there's so what you're describing there is how we how we used to be right yeah exactly and they so, are the closest that we can get to our you know ancient hunter gather ancestors so in that regard like how much do you think you'd learn from them and in and, and, and then if you if you've, you we've, we've made that connection with, with you know with our past through the ben jelly like you have personally i mean um and you're sat there week after week after week what do you think you absorb the most I think it is that I I think I've definitely become a lot more chilled out. Yeah. And I guess I've always like I take pleasure in a lot of simple pleasures. Um but I think probably even more so now appreciate those real sort of, you know, simple pleasures in life. Yeah. And uh like I love I really love watching the sunset and the sunrise and that's something that I would like never take for granted or never tire of um and sort of really live in that moment yeah can i also ask you sorry go on on. the moon you know that that was that was a really beautiful moment out the moon the the new moon so a full moon whenever there's a full moon because you know they don't tell time or they don't have a calendar 
a new moon is a new cycle. So all the kids, when there was a full moon, they would run around because it would, you know, there's no light pollution at all. So a full moon on a clear sky would sort of illuminate the village and you would have all the little kids running around the village yeah. chanting. Uh, and I was like, what are they shouting? And they're like, they're celebrating the new moon. And that's how Amazing. women would sort of count how pregnant they were. Most of them could only count up to like three, possibly five. And yeah. so they'd be like, oh, I'm three or four moons pregnant. Oh, I mean, right. that's, yeah, 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 yeah. that's ridiculous because you'd see them and they look like they're ready to pop, but they think they're three months pregnant. So <laughs> Yeah, got a bit confusing but um yeah uh, yeah. and so they would have real pleasure in celebrating a new moon and a sort of and that would signify a new beginning you must have felt like in my in how this how i would have felt so i'll project it onto you as a form of a question (laughs) but i think i would have felt so humbled and so grounded but also profoundly aware how out of fucking step with being a a homo sapien is like how out of step i am with the 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 root of 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 me of us as a species but we like but that's here most of us are so out of touch with yeah what it what it should be like to really be human and we're so detached from mother nature and and we're paying the price now instincts of life you know we don't most of us um don't have to worry or think about where our uh well particularly obviously here where our next meal is coming from and that is all they have to worry about you know that is their that's and that's why they have a lot of that's they love a family drama and a feud and drama within the village because actually their biggest issue is like right where are we getting food from tomorrow but they never have to worry because the forest always provides and so to them you know going out and getting a meal is like us nipping down to the supermarket um but uh yeah they, they, they love a family drama yeah because um that does it does make me laugh i wanted to ask you uh, they're two really um i don't know not polarizing questions but they're two very different questions one 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 struck me which is always whenever i go traveling i always think about the physicality aspect so i always worry about my um health so, for example, I go to Thailand and I'm immediate. I immediately fixate. That I'm going to get dengue fever. That's it. I'm going yeah. to get dengue fever and I'm fucking dying, hospital bed in the worst possible way. So, when when you when you were there, um, can you remember uh, any kind of fear being there and going like you know like spiders, that, snakes? About that ever? God, you're so, that's such a big. That's a massive I thing, though, isn't it? Don't you think? No, but Not- I think I was like with. Every- I probably should worry more than I do, but I tend to sort of go into these environments and uh, maybe naively so, never really think I'm going to be the one to get it. And I was probably the only, one of the only people that never got sick. Um, I don't know why that is, I really don't. Um, But I just try not, it took me ages to get a jigger, you know, the sort of worm that lays its eggs in your feet. I, I, that was, like, I, was, I was going to reference right, that's what I was referencing. Really off if I go home without a jigger, it felt like a Benjelli initiation to get a jigger. And I was like, I'm barefoot loads of the time. Why the hell haven't I got a jigger yet? I was like, I, get I want your jig, jig on. I, mean, 
I got six on one foot in the end. So it's kind of like I did I did get what the universe provided. I got what I asked for um, to the point that I was like, right, enough now. I don't want any more of these worms in my foot, please. But um, yeah, I don't, um, you know, obviously I'd had the inoculations before I went and I took, I did take malaria tablet, anti-malarials whilst I was out there. But, um, but yeah, I don't really worry about stuff like that too much mm. and we had you know yeah. the, the crew had a few snakes in camp and um and i had a like a rat one day that was in my little mozzie net and but i don't really actually get freaked out about these things yeah no i i just think that's i think for me it would just be another layer of anxiety and i think what i'm trying to do is just, i'm i'm I, I suppose most people listening to this would probably be uh, that would be their big thing like it's really funny like for example I go do a little bit of, of wild camping the first thing that people would be like first of all they'd be like oh my god why are you going to the middle of nowhere you're gonna get like attacked like what no. I, I, live in, I live in London I'm going to the middle of fucking you're nowhere safe there. Yeah. right safer there and the other thing is where do you shit uh, oh my god you can't go you where would you shit right and it's like uh, it's easier it's yeah but, but it, those things people have these tiny little things that they cannot get over that would stop them from basically furthering their their life and having an incredible experience mm. it, yeah. it's so so funny i think anything like that for me is like the more you can kick connect with nature and your surroundings the more exhilarating that is for me I guess and mm. uh I yeah I genuinely don't really worry about um about catching disease or anything like that I just if yeah. I think if it happens it happens I'll deal with it I did actually uh, I'll send you a photo of it I did get this few funny lumps on my face these big sort of cyst things when I got back and I was like oh for god's sake not on the face how annoying is that and uh, I had one on the sort of side of my face that I had to go and have drained Um, and so I was in hospital of tropical diseases having samples taken and they were trying to work out what it might be Um, but I don't think it was anything too nasty and then just just like incision and have these sort of fatty lumps drained i had a couple of them one i got in ecuador not long after i got back and then probably like a week after i got home from that got another one uh and they haven't come back since and i just took a course of antibiotics um oh, man I, lo- but, I love it i love a pus story i just oh, i don't know what I love it is yeah fuck oh my god i popped a spot behind my ear once that was the size of a golf oh. ball and it was so satisfying uh, oh my god I was in the shower and I can remember it happening and like the blood the pus and everything I was just like and oh, I've been god. trying to I've been trying to pop it for, for weeks for months it'd been like that for like eight months and it was like giving birth to filth to total filth <laughs> I can't believe I'm I can't believe we've, we've gone down this hole this rabbit warren of, of pus and shit but there you go but I, I did just want to ask you about um, the what they call like these cathartic um things that they do in the tribe when every morning they wake up and they well not every a morning masambo. a masambo so when masambo, yeah. i fucking loved your masambo because when you that's can you describe it like why what one is and, and what you, and what yours was about 
So a masambo is a, a sort of venting ritual that the Benjeli do, and it tends to predominantly be done by the older women in the community, older women and some men as well, but the women it almost feels like they've always got a bit more to moan about. Um, and I remember my first morning waking up in a Benjeli village, the very first time ever when I was there on the recce asking their permission to go and live there. I woke up and it was like five in the morning. I was like, what the fuck is going on? I could just hear people screaming and shouting all around and got up and uh, and the translator was just sort of like, oh yes, yeah, a masambo. I was like, what's a masambo? And he was like, well, if people have got sort of grievances or they're vexed about something, they'll get up at the crack of dawn and they'll let the village know about it. And it's a way of sort of like airing your grievances, getting everything off your chest. They don't like to sweep problems under the carpet, but instead Mm. just go and like release it all, get it out into the open and then start the day with a sort of clean slate. Yeah. And it's such yeah. a lovely way of uh Oh my of, god, it's really good for your mental well being. You know, they don't absolutely fester on problems and they think that if they get up early in the morning just before sunrise and get it all out there, get it off their chest, then it's like they don't really bear a grudge either. I mean, I saw a couple of grudges, but they were about quite, you know, monumental things. But you could, somebody might come out, do a masambo about their next door neighbor, and they're really pissed off because they've, you know, borrowed a pot that they haven't returned. And then you'll see them an hour later next to each other, best mates again. But when, when it, I know in that instance, when you should be like, mate, you didn't have to fucking wake me up at 5 a.m. screaming me out. You could have just knocked on my door, mate. Chill out. Yeah. Here but it they is. To, they love to get it off their chest at the crack of dawn. And that is sort of like, I know, there was a few, there was a couple of days when there weren't any Masambos and we're like, hello, this is quite nice. Silence in the village in the morning. It's very unusual. Um, but yeah, it's a it's, it's quite a nice way actually. I mean, I couldn't imagine it happening in central London or any city in the UK of people just screaming out their windows. Well, true, but, you do uh, see Masambos <laughs> up and down my street about three o'clock in the morning sometimes, but yeah. uh, definitely yeah. involves a little bit of cider. Um, and I was but, like, oh, I'm going to have to do a masambo. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I really wanted to do it. I was like, I can't go home until I've done a masambo. I'm going to have to do it at some point. And uh, and I was, I'd left it for a really long time. And I was like, I can't do it. I keep bottling it. I was like, wake up in the morning. I was like, right, fuck it. I'm going to do it today. And I know what I want to say. And there's only one thing that I'd had on my mind, which was like, that I'd really love to get a proper night's sleep. And, uh, and yeah, I kept bottling it because it's harder than you think. It's really difficult to just... So Liv, here's what I'm struggling. Silence. But I'm struggling here with... with, You you are someone who's travelled to the middle of nowhere, scared of like... not You're not scared of nothing, but like you you seem to be quite impervious to a few things, but you can't can't shout randomly. That scares you. That was quite... That's quite funny to me. That's a bit like rude, you know? It it was like... (laughs) 
easier to keep it keep it hidden and be like no 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 it's all fine and be very polite about it um but yet to just go do you know what you lot are pissing me off because you're doing this 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 and that it just felt so in your face and uh, I'm not, I, I'm not really a big fan of confrontation anyway. And so it just felt like, oh, these people who've like put me up and given me a roof, and uh, and now I'm having a big moan about their way of life. But yeah, like, but come on, they like, but you did it because they were partying every night, <laughs> at, like getting shit faced at three o'clock and waking up at three. Just, just they you know. It. They were just yeah. like, you know, translated it afterwards. I was like, this is what I said. And they were like, oh, well, that's brilliant. I mean, they, they, they didn't listen, obviously. It was the same again the next night. But, yeah. uh, but at least I got it off my chest. Thank you. Thank you for the information. We've taken it to our chief. We've passed it around a couple of, you know, the uh, elders. And we've decided to carry on what we're doing. And exactly. not fuck you, but a bit of, hey, man, we're just, we've been doing this for a long time. So just... But that's the thing with Mustambos. I think it's a way of getting it off your chest, but it doesn't mean that anything actually changes. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, what I really, really loved, and and I think it was um, not, I would say love, but really, again, it took a turn that I wasn't expecting at all. And I don't know if you you knew about it, but the slavery aspect of it was astonishing to me. Like how... how I, I, I knew about that. Uh, aspect of their way of life before I went out and you know it was something that you had to be really sort of gentle at talking about it because it is still such a sensitive subject and it was it always was one of the stories that I really wanted to be able to tell in the series um, and hoped that we would find a way of highlighting but not in a way that it's just talking to somebody and interviewing them, but actually seeing it played out. Mm. And then when it happened as it did with Prince, who I thought was this genuinely lovely Bantu guy, and then it all just kind of unfolded in front of our eyes. And then, you know, we'd found out that this thing called court happens occasionally. It doesn't happen very often, only in really extreme circumstances would a case like that go to the Bantu court um uh, and then that all happened and so like to give to give it a bit of context yeah because the the context is that this this guy Prince essentially owned one of the village the village families right my family yeah so Prince a a Bantu a Congolese Bantu uh chap and he owns uh my Benjeli family so they are ultimately his slaves and uh, you know, whenever I'd met Prince, he, on the surface, was always very sweet, charming, and polite to me, and made out like he was really good friends with everybody in my family. But you could tell that there was definitely some underlying tensions, and that, you know, whenever Prince turned up, everyone would be slightly on edge. Um, mm, big time. And about it, and we're like, how do you? how do you sort of tell that story without making prints look bad or, you know, by just interviewing them, it felt like you're not going to get enough out of it. And then there was this huge argument where uh, Mondonga, who is um, a a family member of ours, had uh, 
his son had taken some marijuana or hadn't paid for it and there was a big argument and Prince basically beat up Mondonga and went to drag yeah. him into the forest and um and you know hurt him so um yeah and it, it that was it was you know what I think it's one of those things because we were there for such a long time that when all of that kicked off, it didn't feel like we were out of place to just be there and to witness it and to capture what was going on. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was actually a really natural way of telling that story. Yeah, I've, I've, I found it quite profound. Like, obviously, I mean... It was amazing that that still goes on in this day and age. I, I mean, it, I, I, I'm almost not... Sub- surprised when I was I was surprised to a degree but then when you explained it in the documentary I, I it kind of all made sense but I but what really rang true to me was when you then touched on the deforestation and, and the road building um, which the um, which the, the tribe actually sort of uh, wanted but what I I found they want it because they don't know any of the negatives that will come hmm. with that yeah um, and like the, educated you know they, yeah. they don't know what the consequences are going to be to the land around them, which ultimately they need in order to survive. Yeah. And the, the, the idea that this tiny, this tribe are just, they seem like a delicate ecosystem, this tribe, you know. Yeah. And if you put it down to like a molecular thing and they've got these, this, this bigger township that it is, it has them in, you know, almost like a system of slavery, where it is a system of slavery. And then you've got the deforestation crew and you've got this them in the middle. And it's like, you, by the end of it, you're really fucking worried. Like, are they actually ever, are they going to exist in like 10 years, you know? I don't think they will, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, that- they will, but not as we know them now, not as I witness them. You know, with things like the slavery and the relationship with the Bantu, I think that is something that'll, a road would have a positive effect because mm. they will suddenly be connected to the outside world. And I think because it's still such a sensitive uh, relationship between the Bantu and the Benjeli, as soon as they are exposed to the wider world, then that that may well ease a bit because the Benjeli will have more power as they get more money but then that is ultimately going to change the whole relationship within the community because i think as soon as you start introducing money you are going to upset the balance within the community if you suddenly have one family that has more wealth than another family Mm. because that's the thing at the moment they're so egalitarian and they're all so equal that there is no imbalance of power within the community yeah because they don't lots of money going around yeah and i like it yeah you use the word ecosystem there it's right it's right it's so it's i think when you boil it down to it when it when things aren't as robust as they seem i know that the, obviously pygmies are ancient ancient tribes so you think that but there's just some things that can't stand up against i don't know what you call you wouldn't call it what we're doing to the planet progress you couldn't fucking call it that it's regression but you know you can't but stand then, up against that you know what? it's really it's so difficult because on one hand obviously like right now they do have some form of alcohol but they don't have any drugs and they don't have sort of mass exposure to available alcohol so as soon as that starts changing and they're yeah. not naturally built 
or accustomed to having different toxins like that in their body, things are going to change. But equally, you know, the infant mortality rate in Bonginda is quite high. And as soon as anybody gets sick, the chances of dying are so much greater. So for them, of course, if they can have road access and the possibility of going to a hospital, it is going to have a positive impact on their health. So it's, and and they do want money, you know, and you can't blame them and they do want out schools and hospitals and you can't blame them for that. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. I take your point. No, no, exactly. Because like, you, you know, it's easy for me to like harp, harp on about how, oh, isn't it wonderful? This, you know, this ancient tribe, this civilization that's still blah, blah, blah. And blah, blah. Um, sorry, my computer went ding. So that's our like idea um, of this utopian dream that they're living in, yeah. which actually isn't the case. Um, yeah. it's, it's really difficult. But then equally, you know, they, they are being sold this sort of perfect way of life of suddenly having access to money and a market and hospitals and schools but what they're not being told is that in the process much of the forest around them is going to be wiped out and all the hunting and gathering that they're currently relying on all their honey trees are going to be destroyed and the animals are going to go away much further which means that actually the supermarket around them is gradually going to disappear but they, yeah. don't, they don't know about the negative impact because they're not educated enough. So, you know, if, if the logging company comes in and tells them about all the good points, they're going to lap it up. Yeah, I mean, I can almost see it now. Like here, lay here was the last pygmy village. Like you know, on and there's a fucking supermarket over it. You know, I can, you can see that in like thirty years or something. And you know, the, the logging company they're they are a really good, sustainable logging company, and they're not going to trash the place. You know, they are incredibly responsible and certified. But you know, like how how sustainable is logging in the great scheme of things? Oh, come on, let's wait, let's yeah, let's have. A- a like small um, hunter gatherer community, and it will wipe out their their hunting territory. Well, yeah, that's the thing because, like, you know, you, you think about lions and and and, and their their the, the square mileage that they need to sustain their family. It's like, God, what does a tribe need? But yeah, I'm, I want to ask you about because um, I know <clears throat> we've been going for about an hour and ten minutes now. How are you for time? Oh, uh, fine. Yeah, yeah, fine. Okay, because the, the the one thing that I found at first quite funny and then pr- pr- profound it was the polygamy um, question because it started mm-hmm. off like, oh, he's a geezer. He's get you know, he's getting his end away. He can't, he can't, he, he, yeah, he can't help shagging women. He's just got to do it. Um, and I was like, okay. And then a typical bloke. But then, but then what it did was such a wonderful link into what we all the, the basic need for, for fucking requirement of love that we all have and that yeah polygamy exists uh, for centuries but the women do they like it they don't no they don't but i would say uh you know polygamy promiscu- promiscuity is the biggest cause of arguments within that community. Uh, and the, the women are just as bad as the men. They're just a little bit better at hiding it. Oh, really? Because you didn't highlight yeah. that in it. And I was yeah, like quite... There's not enough time to go into that. But yeah. you would hear about women shagging around all the time. 
really. They're all shagging each other. You know, yeah. it's a small village of about 200, 250 people. And a lot There's of no them Netflix. are So <laughs> there's only so many people you can mate with. And, uh, you know... Like, yeah. the, didn't you, I thought the men were, you know, were quite quite handsome um, in a in a way. In in a way, they were very handsome. But, um, and the women, they're you know they're really the, beautiful looking. The they're women very striking were striking people. But yeah, like but the women they're and beautiful, genetically very blessed. You know, they're all ripped to shreds. They're all really muscly. They have very low body fat. They have physical yeah. lives. They're genetically blessed. They're you know all they're doing is sort of hunting all day and running around. So, yeah, um, yeah they've got amazing physiques. Yeah, and like some of the traditions that the, the women carry out to make themselves look attractive to men with the, the teeth sharpening, which is pretty amazing. Like, yeah, the um, men and the women have swing, the teeth yeah. sharpened. Yeah, yeah. That, what, did, what was it like seeing someone getting their teeth chiselled to a, like a pointy, pointy tip? Uh, God, it was really hard like, I could barely look at it. It was just like, what are you doing? No, don't do it. But do you know what's really interesting? I had a really good chat with the girls about this afterwards and uh, about sort of this idea of what we find, what different cultures find beautiful and what we do in our country. You know, they wanted to know what we do. And uh, I actually had some photos on my phone. Don't ask me how I had these, but uh, I had some photos of like fake boobs. And uh, and I was like, <laughs> what, what some women do in our country, they like make an incision under their boob and they open it up and they shove something up there to give themselves bigger boobs. Or, and I showed them some photos of like, you know, big fake lips and told them that people inject stuff in our in their lips or that also we pull hot wax onto our uh, vaginas and rip all our hair off. Yeah, and they were just yeah. like, what the fuck? Why <laughs> would you do this to you? That's not beautiful. Why would you do that? And actually it was, you know, it was a really interesting conversation to have because we might think it's quite barbaric to you know, sharpen your teeth into a point, but they think it's barbaric to cut cut your uh, boobs and shove something in there. Yeah. Which actually, yeah. when you think about it like that, yeah. you're like, oh God, that, that to an outsider uh, who's never heard of that before does seem quite ludicrous. Yeah, and but also like, you know, you can, you can take it back to why, why, why are we, why are we doing that to ourselves? Why are women in the western world doing that to themselves but that's obviously maybe another an entire another four so hours that, isn't that whether yeah. it's like to improve your self-confidence or um how, you know, how what was the what, but sorry what was the like the empowerment of women out there like what was the fe- was the, in terms of feminism and and uh, women's like uh, standing out there in well, the that, was the, you know, that was one of the reasons that i wanted to go and visit the ben jelly because uh typically sort of in general tribes are quite patriarchal but the ben jelly are incredibly egalitarian and the women mm-hmm. are just as tough as the men and they have a you know that a real sort of high standing within the community especially older women 
uh, and that was that, and that's really fresh, refreshing in terms of you know tribal life. Um, mm. And and the women over there are incredibly feisty and mm. opinionated, and you know just as tough both physically and mentally as any of the men. Yeah, and it's all that when they had fights, you know, the sort of the women would give physically as good as they got which was not you know it was it wasn't pleasant it's not pleasant to see anybody fighting right. uh but yeah, yeah I, they I, really I, I don't differentiate at all between whether you're a boy or a girl yeah yeah i got i got that's what i fucking loved about it i got that impression it's like uh that you know it's a bit of a free-for-all and don't fuck with me but i was mm. like i i did i did wonder when when I'm watching that and I put myself in in your your mind and you're watching these people either uh, sixty a sixty year old guy going out into the forest and he's looking around him and you're putting yourself in his mind looking around at his environment and I'm wondering what his thought process is and then I'm also wondering about if you at any point were putting yourself in the in the position of one of the women and going I really 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 wonder what it's like to be in their heads. Mm. Um, sorry, what's the question? I don't. What? I well, it's kind of. It's more. Yeah, it's more of like. Um, I suppose. I because whenever I go away to somewhere, so for example, like I went to Nepal and and volunteered out there with some dogs and met some really awesome people. You like dogs, f- don't you? I fucking love dogs. I love. Have you got one? Yeah, I've got one out there right now. She's. Yeah. She's doing weird things. Um, she's trying to get on on the mic, but um, we yeah in in Nepal when I I, I went out to um, do some trekking in the foothills and met some amazing people, and yeah I just sit there and and it was such it wasn't a culture shock, but it was very very far removed. I was like eighteen years old and it was very far removed from anything I'd experienced ever before. And this I stayed the night with these with this family exactly the same, not exactly same, but very very similar to. To what you experienced say for one night and i was thinking god what's it what's it like to be in to this not not in a patronizing in a negative sense just in a what's it like what's it fucking like to see the sun come up over the fucking himalayas every morning what's it like to have cattle uh, in my house with with yeah. me you know and and i, I do i, I want to feel that energy i want to feel what it's like to 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 breathe such a simple life you know yeah i think that's what you know attracts me to to what I do and why I guess one of the reasons why I wanted to go for such a long time was so yeah. that I'm not just getting a fleeting glance of what it might be. Uh, and like, I think in a week, I don't think you can truly experience what somebody's life is like and the dynamics either. Um, so I really wanted to go in it for the long haul to really, I guess, become part of the community and really become part of a family so that they don't see me as as this outsider and that they really drop their guard and truly, truly experience what life is like rather Mm. than have just a sort of sketched version of it. Yeah. And did, did, sorry, I'm just a slight pause just to remember uh, before I forget, but when, we were messaging one another. Right? Did I ask you about a moment to um, to highlight for the show? Like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a bit of a think about that, and I think um, 
for me because I just feel like there's been so many special little moments in general you know in my life but I am definitely I'd say like a people's person and for me I really love either uh, sort of reunions with people or those sort of sliding door moments that you can have those little you know sort of seemingly inconsequential moments that then in hindsight change the trajectory of your future um so i had a little think about that and i'd say i've got two examples one in terms of a reunion i am really really close to my grandparents my, on my mum's side they're kind of like my parental figures uh my granddad died three years ago and they oh, used to have um that's all right thank you they used to have a a mobile home in the south of france where they used to spend sort of half the year and i grew up spending all of my summer holidays there and um you know you just go for six weeks in the summer holidays and it's where all my sort of key growing up stages in life have happened you know like the first time you tried alcohol and was sick and like the first time you got stuck <laughs> time you kissed a boy and all those sort of special moments in life happened there and I remember one year it was actually whilst I was at university I told my grand and granddad that I wouldn't be able to go uh, that I was too busy and and I could tell that they were really disappointed by it but it was all a bit of a ruse uh, I actually uh, I booked a it was what I went by Eurostar and then got the train through France you know so being a poor student it worked out about a 10 pounds cheaper than getting a an airplane and uh and i remember actually getting to it was when the eurostar still went from waterloo and i turned up with the wrong passport and uh and it was out of date and i persuaded them to let me get on anyway they let me get on the eurostar with a passport that was out of date um and went to the south of france and i turned up and i surprised my gran and granddad in the middle of the night and turned up and just them opening the door and seeing my face like i'm never ever going to forget that moment of just pure sort of warmth and love and joy and happiness oh. as they saw me and embraced me and and they knew that i was coming to stay for a few weeks and uh and that for me that as a sort of reunion is always going to be a sort of really memorable moment um in my life oh, i love that that's so adorable what are your grandparents names or are their names uh, uh harold and margaret oh wow solid names kaiser the surname is kaiser really yeah <laughs> harold harold kaiser. and margaret wow god so what 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 were they like as people what were they like as people then amazing you know they're really amazing and they they they're the ones that lived in somalia in the 60s and granddad used to run around barefoot hunting and spear i've got this picture of him with a massive shark that he uh, caught when he went spear fishing and free diving and Jesus. like really thrived in that environment and uh, the only reason that my gran moved back because she got malaria three times and almost died uh, which is why she came uh, she moved back to um, Germany and then subsequently Switzerland um, oh. but they're very 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 cool people yeah sadly so my grandma dementia now and um yeah i'm sorry about that it's, it's uh, just yeah it's a hard ending a really hard ending yeah do you want to hear, watch... right? hear something really weird right yeah, so yeah. my granddad um sorry if i'm uh, keeping you by the way but this is no not amazing. at all 
So my granddad um, was the biggest atheist that you'll ever meet. You know, I'm quite a sort of spiritual person and embrace different aspects of spirituality. And granddad would just never even engage in the idea that something beyond death might exist, you know. And uh, I remember when he, from the day that he was diagnosed with cancer to the day he died was sort of six months to the day. And he was really completely switched on, had all his marbles right up until the end. And my brother and I used to have a conversation with him to say, basically, like, when you, um, you know, when you die, you have to come and give us a sign of some sort if there is something beyond death like promise me and ollie my brother used to be like right you have to come and haunt us anyway he died three and a half years ago and the funny thing is we've never had a sign never my gran my brother or i have never had a single dream about him nothing at all in three and a half years and uh in the last week and a half I've had three dreams about my granddad, both in exactly the same context. Yeah. And uh, my grand's dementia has got really bad and um, like really, really bad. Mm. And in the dream, my granddad comes over to me and he tells me that I have to have to start to let go of my grand yeah. and that yeah. he's, he's got her and it'll all be all right. And then he yeah. goes over to her and they laugh and they embrace and then he takes her and they walk off into like a light. Fuck. Isn't that amazing? Man. Oh my God. And, and it actually happened again, not last night, the night before. Uh, and he just, and, but it's really weird. Like, and he came and said, he's like, she's not well, but I'm not taking my eye off her, but you've got to learn to let go. Yeah. And, uh, and then the next day, my grand took a like a real turn for the worse again. It's really oh, odd, isn't it? That, and that it's is like, so. And none of like no one's ever had a dream about him. Like, and this is the only dreams I've had about him. And I'm like, is that his way of waiting to give a sign, or am I just overthinking it because my grand hasn't been very well, and I'm trying to clutch on to something? I don't know. It's just very very odd, isn't it? because i i have um i i have a lot of recurring dreams i have i have one i have some about my they're not recurring but i have some about my dad who, who died um when he was 50 i was 22 and then one with this this guy this old family friend called mick he used to come around he used to pick me up from boarding school sometimes i used to absolutely fucking adore him because he used to fucking play with me to play games with me to board games all that kind of stuff and I was I wasn't deprived of it as a kid but I was very I kind of was I guess I just wanted wanted it all the time I used to have dreams about him all the time for like maybe really intense periods like for like three or four weeks at a time and then but then they disappear and they I wouldn't have them for three years four years then they come back again but he's he's I what subsequently that gone I think it's just subconscious. Your subconscious is working away. Like there's the, but but having said that, you know, I I don't want to, you know, I it's I'm, weird, I'm it? well, it is weird, but it's also one of those things where you don't want. I'm I I'm like I suppose you, I, we all have our different levels of spirituality, and I don't really want to compare mine to yours because yours could be completely different to mine. You know, you we're completely yeah, different are, levels. Different. Yeah, and like, and we're all on a different uh, ride like that, but. I 
but I wouldn't want to just say, oh, it's your subconscious working, Will. Well, but that's or, what I'm thinking know. it might be. But then I'm like, oh, my God, what? maybe if it's not, you know, it's, it's just very strange. I just remembered. But it's also about it's, it's about closure as well, isn't it? And and, yeah. and, and yeah. how you dealt with his de- death and, and how if you moved on and if you did close and why you haven't dreamt about him, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> God, I, sound now, I, I now sound like a fucking psychotherapist. I know. Well, it's a shit one. A shit one. Um, yeah, but yeah. It's very strange. Yeah, but it it is cool though that you shared that that moment because it's that's ex- you know it's, it's exactly what I was driving at. Moment. And then I guess there's there's been other times in my life where I've met somebody that has uh, you know been special in my life, and then when you think back to that that initial meeting it's that sort of moment of chemistry and spark that always sort of stays in your mind um so i love sort of encounters like that oh my god yeah like i sorry i'm just checking the levels on my mixer because if what? someone decided that it would be clever to start up a range rover outside our house um <laughs> as yeah you know but no i meeting people's great isn't it especially because like i just reference- in the blink of an eye your whole your whole sort of way your future could evolve changes. I love the sliding that. doors. Yeah, the sliding yeah. doors aspects. Yeah, I love it. yeah. Like I, serendipity or sliding doors or whatever you want to call it is. Uh, yeah, I love that. It's like you never really know what's going to happen when you meet somebody new and the impact that they're going to have in your life. Yeah, and even if it's just like a really small impact as well, because I, I referenced the um, the South Downs because it's recent and my memory is terrible. But what what I really what it really reminded me about one i haven't gone traveling on my own in bloody ages and and two the reasons behind traveling and you always forget is when you go traveling at least for me for example i go because i want to go to that country and see what that country is like but you always Mm. i normally nearly always forget about the people and and the Mm. relationships you make so when you start traveling you you know you you you're sat on a table on your own having a beer you're on your own and you notice three or four other people over there having a laugh and you're traveling so all the rules are out the window you go over and sit with them you have a chat like it's a you know and and those sliding door moments definitely but when I was on the South Downs just recently it was it was fantastic I met this really lovely girl called Sasha and we had a really great chat and we ended up walking the whole stretch together like you know yeah three quarters of the day together and it was great because I being British and male and with very short hair and a beard I thought one she's not going to want to fucking spend any time with me because and you know because I, and I didn't want to be intimidating I don't want to be like oh god who's this guy talking to me and I didn't want to take up her time either because she's on her own walk but then we got talking and it she was really really pleased to have me talking with her and, and helping her along and then we and then I started thinking all this profound shit about when you go on a walk a really really long walk it's like about becomes more about life life is a long journey and you've got to then it goes back to you talking about the bengali and and the uh, people living in the moment and life is about not thinking about the the mountain and and accepting people into your life that can help you um yeah i've really gone off on one there but i think i've been uh it's been in, in me for quite a while and just going out on my own for just a couple of days has really brought it to the surface you know Mm. Um, I mean, am I going to pay you for this this therapy session, or are you going to pay me? I haven't quite worked it out yet. (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're probably both getting much out of it. 
yeah 30 quid each but it's yeah. um no it is it is cool man and like i do i i miss traveling for that exact reason and i'm meeting eight, 80 year old weird men who, who come up to bring raw fish to a fucking dinner table with you but exchange a really great book or like people that are mad about dogs love meeting um, random people yeah and it's it, like that uh, moment sometimes like you meet somebody and then a year or two later you think fuck that person has turned into either a really mm. good friend or a you know like a significant person in your life and then it's that sort of that that moment when you think back to when your eyes first met and what you felt and that sort of little something that sparked sparked that relationship of whatever sort it might be um yeah. you know i love those sort of moments and that's just in the blink of an eye everything can change yeah no i agree and and i think travel can really like you said you know you went uh, you had a hard time and you you went to um the Congo and you, everything changed, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know about everything changed. I can't, I, I'm saying everything changed like, like I, <laughs> like I know what happened to you, but uh, I mean, it, did you, did you think I'm going to go to the Congo and everything's going to be fixed or when you went there because of the breakup or was it just a byproduct? I don't know. Did you know what? I think it's uh, initially it's like escapism, isn't it? You think, fuck mm. that where's the furthest place that I can go to kind of run away from things and then and then you go and do that and then you realize that actually fucking hell no matter how far I'm gonna run away I can't really escape it and I just need to process what's going on in here uh you know it doesn't matter whether I'm five minutes down the road or five days away um it's just time isn't it yeah it is it's just throwing yourself into an alien environment where you're meeting fuckloads of new people that you're getting to know and and sort of challenging yourself and actually making life a little bit more challenging than what it ordinarily would be like just yourself out of that uh like wallowing in self-pity did a new livia sort of emerge from from the <laughs> you think? It's completely new, but um, yeah, definitely changed me. Yeah. Yeah. What were like the things that I may have asked this question already? I can't remember. But what were like? What was like the first moment you realised when you got back to the UK? Like, I old live would have done this differently, and I've I've changed a bit. Was it really tiny? Oh no, definitely one of the things that I have become a lot more sort of militant about is uh, like and it sounds so cliche but uh, it's like food wastage like the Benjeli wastes no food ever like nothing would ever get wasted and everything if there is such thing as a leftover it's shared with your neighbors and the rest of the community because yeah. you for the first time realize how tough it is to go and source that food so why would you throw it away and I remember when I came back I went to one of those bottomless brunches in a fancy hotel with a bunch of friends you know where you guzzle all the Prosecco and you have a big all-you-can-eat buffet and uh and i remember all this i don't eat meat anyway but all this meat turned up even though we hadn't ordered it to the table and i had a dog at the time my dog uh sadly died um a few weeks ago which is pretty oh horrific. god live i'm so oh, sorry no, no, it's horrible oh. but anyway so this all this steak turned up at the table and i was like do you know what fuck it i'm gonna take it back for clark 
Um, so I asked them, I said, like, can I get a box to take this meat away? And they said, no. And they were like, we don't, we don't, we, you know, you're not allowed to take any food away. And there was some completely bloody ridiculous health and safety or food hygiene standards of why they weren't allowed to give this food away. And I was like, well, so what's going to happen to it? Like, I don't eat meat. Only a couple of people here at the table eat meat. They're not going to eat all this. And I'd like to take yeah. it back home for my dog. And I've paid for it. And they were like, they wouldn't allow it. So I was like, fuck you. I got a napkin and of course, like put it all in the napkin quickly and then put it in my backpack. I was like, I am taking this home. There is absolutely no way I'm going There's to just this food, this animal go to waste that has been slaughtered for our dinner table yeah. and you're just going to throw it in the bin. I mean, how ridiculously wasteful is that? And it really really pissed me off mm. and uh, and I think in general I have become a lot more strict about you know food wastage and plastic waste as well because Vangeli have no plastic at all you know they don't need plastic even when mm. they go into the forest and uh and so yeah and like sell-by dates and all of that I mean I hardly ever yeah. you know took food away and it you really would- sort breaks my heart when that happens and I'd much rather sort of uh, I am a bit of a feeder uh, you know a lot of my, my friends will sort of vouch for that and, uh, and the, I, love, I love feeding people and entertaining but I hate yeah. the f- throwing anything away yeah no no I I, I, I get that I, I'm um, I'm a, a pescatarian that very rarely eats fish and, yeah it's the same um, as me but when I do, I'm very wary that it comes in fucking plastic. So it's becoming more and more or less and less attractive rather. And it's just like the prospect of it is grim. It's very grim. And if you've had any contact with plastic in the ocean, and I've had some in the Maldives yeah. and, it, and it was just profoundly disturbing, then, yeah, it does stop you in your tracks. Um, me and my little fucking high tower talking about it, I, you know, I, oh, I no, always... I mean- as bad as each other but you can't yeah. go anywhere without bar you know it's really hard to go to places now and to avoid plastic everything mm. just seems to be wrapped in it yeah can i can i ask quickly about your dog um um yeah. who, what what breed was he in he was a bernese mountain dog yeah he's beautiful uh, he's isn't he yeah eight and a half and uh okay. his name was clark and his nickname yeah. was the pud and uh yeah the pud and uh he was just lovely he's the sweetest most amazing animal and i think you know anyone who's had dogs it's that level of loyalty and what do you want to see rosie my dog additional love isn't it yeah, yeah i'd love to see the dog. Go on. yeah i'll just i'll just try and call her rosie come on rosie rosie okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go and get her i'll be two seconds okay oh yeah go on okay Oh, hello, Rosie. Hello, <laughs> hello, Rosie. Can you can you see her? She's she's quite dark. What is she? Doesn't really show up very well. Oh, hello. What is yeah, she? So, like, sorry. What is she? I can't quite make she, she, out. She's like a, a random she, mutt a mix. Yeah. Right. So she she's from Thailand, and um, oh, did you bring her over? I, I I did, yeah. I um. Oh, I love that. 
Can you see? Oh, Rosie, there you go. Hello, Rosie. Oh, she's so sweet. She's, How old is she? <laughs> she's six. She's seven in November. But oh, she, um, yeah, she saved my ass really because, like, um, yeah, she looked after. Well, she looked after me when I was in Thailand when I first um, uh, volunteered there at this Soy Dog Foundation, and um, it was pretty. Um, it was a, it's fucking intense, like going into an uh, environment of like thirty dogs in one run, and they're all pretty weird and frantic and lovely but they're yeah some of them are quite nippy and rosie being the alpha female that she is she just got in there and completely like looked after me slash owned me and um i wasn't even aware that she was uh, available for adoption and until like i got back to england and then they said oh, well you yeah <laughs> you expressed some interest in rosie or desert rose as she was called then would you like to adopt her? I was like, what do you mean? Would I like? Yes, she's like practically a part of me now. So um, yeah, How she. How old was she when you brought her over? Uh, three, I think. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm lying. I'm lying. Of course, she wasn't three. Like five, like one, one. She was just just out of puppy puppydom, and um, yeah, she, she, uh, yeah, she's a she's an amazing girl. She's very very chill. She's got great, um, calm sense like she calms all the all dogs around her down amazing um, isn't it the bond that you can form with uh with a dog this unspoken bond yeah uh, yeah time. i love it i really miss yeah. him terribly and it, oh. if i had that for ages like after he uh you know died of constantly feeling like i could still hear him or expecting to hear his deep sighs and his snuffles and yeah. waking up in the morning and expecting him to be there and yeah it's uh, it's horrible yeah and i'm, I'm so that sorry yeah. that is uh the price you pay for loving them is the grief you know when they leave yeah yeah and and like to, to uh, during lockdown as well it's particularly hard on you so yeah yeah one of my mates got a got a really sweet puppy the other day that i met for the first time this little Rhodesian Ridgeback and uh oh god I was like I really miss afterwards I loved spending time with the puppy but then afterwards I kept thinking about Clark all day um like yeah Yeah. do with a bit bit of quality dog time yeah well we've got another one sorry makes you a nicer human spending time with dogs I think oh my god if you ever get any time go go and volunteer at soy dog it is it's great it, i mean you know when we can travel again but it's wonderful i did a uh, an interview with the with the one of the co-founders just the other day and um another lady and it's an amazing story like how they set it up but it's very beautiful it's like you said you know it does um it's a very it's very weirdly meditative and people mm. they don't they don't talk down to me about it ever you know because it's I think maybe they don't because they don't want to hurt my feelings. But they, I got I, it turned my life around, and and really? I don't know. Oh yeah, big time. And then I, I was obsessed with it. And then I went to Nepal like a couple of weeks after Thailand, and and volunteered out there in a, in a really really run down dog sanctuary, which was completely different and uh, pretty brutal actually. But still, like yeah, it, it, it definitely uh, centered me a bit, calmed me down, centered me, but in a really cool way. God, anyway. <laughs> oh, she did it take her a while to settle in when she got to the UK? 
Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just hysterical. We were talking about this yesterday. She basically... She didn't know what stairs were, so she just shit herself. Didn't know what the hell they were. Couldn't couldn't work out how to get up them, like jump, like walk up them. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. And then and 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 ceilings as well. She didn't know what the hell a ceiling was because she was outdoors. And um, and lights. You turn a light on, and she would shit herself. She thought the sun suddenly come up. So it was extraordinary, really. Um, but she adapted pretty quickly. She used to do massive pisses on my bed. Where does she sleep? Uh, don't tell Laura, but currently in bed with me, um, but really? usually just in the kitchen. Yeah. Where did Clark used to sleep? Clark. Clark's like heavier than me. So um, he used to just sleep on the floor or on the sofa. I sort yeah. of had a bit of a no dogs in bed rule. But, yeah. Um, God, uh, yeah. I know it's bad, isn't it? I need to change the sheets before she gets back because I'm going to get in serious definitely. shit. It's, disgusting. Disgusting. it's fucking disgusting, really. Like, well, I do quite like a dog on the sofa. There's something oh. nice about sitting there watching telly with a dog's head on your lap. Definitely, yeah. They're yeah. very soothing presence, don't they? Oh, big time. I, I love watching her now. She's just stand, She's just a, a century, like, uh, staring out the window looking for, like, foxes or squirrels or whoever. Do you think, like, what's going on in that head? You're either really, you're like a total genius or you're really dumb. And I can't quite know. <laughs> With Clark, it was always quite hard to work out whether or not he's, <laughs> like, you know, solving world peace in his head or whether he's just a goldfish. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, that's like people as well, right? You know, there's like world leaders. Are you, it's like, I don't know, someone like Justin Trudeau, you're very, very handsome. Are you very intelligent or just very handsome? All I know is that with Clark, (laughs) he brought sort of peace and smiles to everyone that he met, you know, like people were just always really calm in his presence and, uh, and yeah, it would bring a smile to anyone's face, whether it was on, he used to come on packed tubes, trains, buses, and uh, spread a bit of joy about the place. God, yeah. Seeing a dog on the underground or whatever is is such a thing, isn't it? I love it so much. Yeah. When River, when Rosie's on it or whatever, it's just people, people fawn over a dog on, on the underground, don't they? Yeah, they do, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, look, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you go, man, because you've been super generous with your time. Oh, it's lovely to chat to you. Yeah, ditto. Really, really enjoyed it. It's, it's funny. I've, I've never gone and got Rosie for anyone ever because it's like I'm definitely not um, super. Obviously, I'm not super professional for Christ's sake, but I'm very, um, you know, I, I come from that world of, of interviewing politicians. And so I've, I've, I've you know, I have to drop my I've, I've, I've had to leave my notepad at the door for the past sort of four or five months and go with it and see where a conversation goes so it's kind of a quite nice a new, though yeah it's the only way to talk it's the only way to like have meaningful like intellectual um in, intercourse i hate using that word intercourse it just makes me think i'm in a <laughs> fucking biology lesson and it makes yeah. me feel really weird <laughs> I'm, I'm it makes my butt clench uh, <laughs> but yeah and it, it it's it's cool, man. Because I yeah, I do. I've really, really. I've always enjoyed talking. I, I, I it sounds stupid to say that everyone enjoys talking, but not everybody. I really, really want to know about people. I really, really want to know what goes on inside inside people's. Like I love listening to. Uh, there was a really good Agony Aunt podcast called Dear Sugar with okay. Cheryl, 
Cheryl Strayed and uh, this other guy called Steve Almond, and I've contacted him for the podcast. We, so we had a chat, but I love those sort of agony aunt podcasts and learning about people's crazy shit because we all have it and we all pretend we don't. But I love all that stuff. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Liv. See ya. See you later. Bye. Twist on them, twist on you.